and welcome to another edition of the Beer Vana Podcast. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. Boy, I barely recognize that music. It's been <laughs> it's a little while. A, it's been a while. I've been uh, on my grand tour. That's true. We're going to have to hear a little bit about that later on. Yeah. But um, we've, been, we've been away for a while. Yeah, but f- summer has broken out in Portland, Oregon, and that means it's time for the Oregon Brewers Fest. That's right. So, and oh. since the Oregon Brewers Fest starts tomorrow, we are really under the cost <laughs> to actually get this thing out. So here we are. We're finally potting. <laughs> we are... <laughs> going to have to get this out fast so people can listen to it. So. That's right. We'll talk really fast so we can get it out. Uh, with me, as <laughs> always, is Jeff Allworth, author of the recently re- released Secrets of the Master Brewers, as well as old favorites like The Beer Bible and Cider Made Simple. You can find him blogging at Birvana. And with me is Patrick Emerson, professor of economics at Oregon State University. You can also find him blogging and tweeting at Beeronomics. Yeah. More tweeting, not yeah, so much blogging. Tweeting <laughs> I realized that the blog might be in trouble this week when you posted a series of actual content on the tweets, and they could, in a former era, have gone to a blog post. But. It's true, but it turns out my current life probably supports little blasts of 140 characters a bit better than actually sitting down and thinking about full paragraphs. You know, blogging is, an, is a Gen X. It's an old man's tech, so That's right. you're very millennial. You're very... You're very Acheron with it, your technology. So exactly, good. yeah. You're, uh, you're like the kids. It's like the Facebook. I don't do the Facebook. The kids don't do the Facebook anymore. So It's true. Uh, okay, so uh, on Wednesday, the Oregon Brewers Festival, that's tomorrow, <laughs> the Oregon Brewers <laughs> Festival kicks off. By the way, it's its 30th annual uh, festival. That's yeah. pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Uh, it's become a tradition here on the Beer Vana podcast that uh, Jeff and I do a preview of the festival where we identify the beers that uh, look interesting to us um, and discuss the trends we see in the beers uh, that brewers are bringing. Um, and even if you can't make it to Portland this week, there's a lot to learn and discern by a careful look at the beers pouring at the fest because, of course, we are the trendsetters in global craft beer. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. I did, a, I did a podcast a little while ago with guys in, in uh, Chicago, uh, and they were uh, they were talking about how Chicago it blew my mind. They were talking about how Chicago is the best place in America for summers, and <clears throat> I took issue with that. Their big complaint for Portland was you have sometimes you have to put a sweatshirt on in the evenings. <laughs> I was going to say, if you really like heat and humidity, then Chicago's your place, yeah. baby. You can swelter all you like. Whereas in Chicago at about 2 a.m., it's finally tolerable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get outside in your t-shirt. <laughs> Sorry to all our friends in the humid, hot Midwest. Uh, it is just about perfect, ideal uh, fest- festival weather. Although this is the new Portland. So instead of being sort of low 80s, high 70s, we're, we're kind of high 80s, mid to high 80s. This yeah. is the new climate. Though it's still cool at night. But it's still cool at night, and there's still cool breezes and not so much humidity. So looking forward to it starting tomorrow. And our bug population remains low, although I expect that's going to change too. Yeah. But what can you do? What can you do? Uh, Drink beer. Yeah, let's let's, uh, definitely do some of that. So I I just got back from my tour. Yeah. I was under strict uh, instructions to tweet my beers. That's right. And there were about five or six tweets because that's about <laughs> as I managed. Uh, in my own defense, I'm traveling with my family. I'm the only beer drinker. And to suggest to my family that we should plan around beer, beer outings um, wasn't going to fly. So I, I slyly 
uh, slid in some beer stuff. I got I was more successful when we got to Germany and the Czech Republic, um, and otherwise I just had to f- sample what was on uh, offer at the restaurants generally. Yeah. So for those of you who are not um, hacked into Patrick and my phone, uh, you weren't aware of Patrick's periodic email uh, texts to me from. Europe asking various questions. And one you asked was, uh, Weinstefan, you said, is it cool to go there? And I, I didn't ask the question. Did you go? Uh, I wanted to go. I couldn't manage it. Uh, instead, I went to this um, lovely uh, beer garden that's just on the north northern edge of the English garden in Munich. Um, the, the Weinstefan place is a little bit outside of Munich so it was a little bit of a uh, of a drive and my kids were getting a little grumpy so instead we went to this really nice beer garden and and uh Hofbrau was the was the um the brewery that was um on offer at that uh beer garden and you were less than enthusiastic about Hofbrau but I have to say that maybe it's just because <laughs> it's fresh and it's at, in a beautiful beer garden but I thought it was decent all right did you make it to Augustiner when you were uh, I made it to an Augustiner pub. Yeah, that's fine. You, okay. had, you had the Augustiner Hellas? I had the Augustiner Hellas, and yeah, that's actually a note here. I was going to say, I've, I tried all of the big Munich Hellas. I, did, I stuck to Hellas. I wanted a, I wanted a common frame of reference, so I tried the Hofbrau, the Polliner, the Spaten, and the Augustiner. And I can say, clearly, Augustiner is the is yeah. the winner of the four. Yeah, it's a sublime beer. Augustiner's really good, yeah. And it really does stand out. It does. Augustiner was one of the only breweries uh, in the world to blow me off for a tour. And really? Yeah, it's interesting. And um, they just never got back to me, and I thought maybe there was confusion because that happened. But uh-huh. then I was talking to Jamie Emerson from Full Sail, uh-huh. and he said, no, 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 you were, they were blowing you off. They only talk to brewers. They will not let anybody in there <laughs> who writes about beer might in any way divulge, yeah, <laughs> divulge what they're doing. So that only makes me covet getting in there more. So I have to figure out some way to smuggle myself in. And because we talked to Alan Taylor, who's the um, our friend and uh, the brewmaster at uh, uh, Zoigel House and Pints and the other place in New Mexico, um, uh, I was really interested in trying out Berlin beers, and I never had a chance to really seek out Berlin beers. But the thing about Berlin is that it's just overrun by Munich beers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just really hard. Like the two big beer gardens, they said, oh, you can go to Augustiner. I was like... Okay, I can, but I'm in Berlin. I want to do something in Berlin. <laughs> so I was a little bit frustrated. Uh, I didn't get to taste as, as many uh, authentic, I would call them, Berlin beers. I got a couple of quote-unquote Berlin Pilsners, but from um, less than uh, the sort of famed well, bre- yeah, And I don't even know that much about Berlin. I, I've never been to Berlin, and um, my sense is that as far as beer goes, Berlin is not... Not the thing. Um, you go to Berlin for other reasons. I yeah, guess, that's probably that's probably true. I will say there's so I'll just make two other notes of my my little tour, and then we can move on. But um, one is that I was surprised that there's there seemingly is, is more and more of a sort of a craft beery scene in Paris, which never before in my experience has been a beer city at all. In fact, just a few doors down from the Airbnb, the, the apartment that we rented, um, was a a brew yourself uh, store where you go in and spend the evening and and uh, cook up a brew and then you leave it for, with them presumably to ferment out mm-hmm. and then you come back when it's done and packaged or something like that, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and the other thing is, it really struck me in England that English ales just don't travel. And there's mm-hmm. only one way to really enjoy English ales and that's to go there. And so that's sort of like a beer tourism note. So there are reasons to actually go out and seek beers in their native habitat. And one of them is just that, and it's true for some of these 
lighter German beers too, um, having them fresh there is just so much different than getting them in a bottle here. Totally. And, and you're right. Uh, I think every beer is better locally, but you basically can't get the experience of, of English bitter if you're not drinking it on cask. Yeah. Know, at, at, you know, near the source where it was brewed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it's a good, good trip. Uh, Very cool. And, lots of good beer. And, and are you going to talk later about the Czech Republic? I'll talk later about the Czech Republic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because everybody's hanging on the edge of their seat. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll, we'll move to that later. So let's, uh, let's get, get uh, to the OBF. But before we do, I want to talk about um, how the Beer Vana podcast is brought to you by All About Beer magazine. Explore the culture of beer through award-winning uh, news, reviews, education, and insights. Print and digital subscriptions are available by visiting allaboutbeer.com. And be sure to listen to our sister podcast, After Two Beers. Join the editors of All About Beer as they conduct in-depth interviews with the most interesting and compelling figures in the beer industry. Do it. Do it. All right, so let's talk about the Oregon Brewers Fest. Uh, the Oregon Brewers Fest is a festival held in downtown Portland, beautiful waterfront park right on the shores of the Willamette River, uh, the river that gave the hops its name. Um, it takes place from Wednesday through Sunday of this week, so that's July 26th through 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, uh, 30th, all right. <laughs> Uh, it is always the, the the last Sunday of the fest always has to fall in July or else it, it's bumped to the earlier week. So it's, it used to say the last weekend in, in July, but then it's now it's five extended, days. So, yeah. Yeah. And so as as is our tradition, we'll be showing up right as the festival opens tomorrow at noon. Uh, you might even be parading in there. I'm giving up the parade this year. No, I'm. I'm think I'm I'm with you on the giving up. Yeah. So uh, that's the that's our pro tip, which is go early to the parade, uh, go early to the festival, both in the week and in the day, if you can, because things are sort of mellow and kind of and it, groovy. It, when if it's, you're in Portland and you're you're planning to go tomorrow, consider the parade. It's pretty cool. Uh, we've done it sure. many times. Oh yeah, uh, I've just done it a lot. So yeah, it's fun. You 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 walk in, you get there early and you're able to they'll they'll give you your, your wristband so that when you walk into the fest you can just walk right in with the parade and it's pretty cool so yeah but we're not doing it uh the other thing i'll just mention about the oregon brewers festival if you've never been is that it's kind of a family-friendly event kids are welcome they can't obviously drink beer but they can hang out um there's lots of shady places to be and some there's not a ton of sort of kitty events but um, it's kind of nice to see families hanging out there, especially earlier in the day. Later in the night, I'm not so sure it's so kid-friendly. But, you know. right. Okay. All right. So uh, you are the stats man. Yeah. Every year for the last 10, I've looked at uh, – Chris Crabb is the media coordinator sort of – a uh, woman who does, I think, everything behind the scenes. And she compiles a list, uh, an Excel spreadsheet of all the, the beers and all their statistics. And it'll, it's, it's great for people who want to look at what's going on, uh, how, the, how the beers break down and what the trends are and how they vary year to year. Yeah. Although this year, I'll just say that it's a Google Sheets and it's available on the website. So you can download the Google Sheets if you want. That's true. And then you can like, do your I own. Did. Yeah, I dumped it straight into Excel so I can fiddle off it myself. But that's another matter. <laughs> uh, I'm old school. Got to have my Excel. Yeah, my point is that it's available to anyone and everyone. You can you can send online. the check to me, uh, Microsoft. <laughs> um, yes. So anyway, let's let's just trot through some of these because I think so. There's with one caveat. I think the Oregon Brewers Fest is a fantastic um, mirror. Uh, for the trends in the industry. And we've seen as time has gone on, 
uh, the shift away from certain styles that were popular. Mm-hmm. This is the 30th year, so you know, uh, t- uh, in the the first 10 years, you would have seen a lot of Hefeweizens, you would have seen a lot of pale ales, a lot of amber ales. Um, now you see very few of those, and certainly not very many just straight 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 ones yeah um there was the rise of ipas and then in the last decade we've seen experimental beers really on the rise so um uh some of the interesting things that we've seen uh as the in this year's fest is so among the styles the more popular styles uh there are 34 fully a third of the beers have fruit 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 yeah. fruit, <laughs> fruit. It was the was absolutely the overwhelming theme for me when i scrolled through the list yeah it's amazing how many beers are fruit beers we'll get back to that and and that actually does bring me to the caveat which is it is a summer beer fest and yes, i think yes, for the, yes. for, it took it took brewers some some time they finally realized that <laughs> when it's you know 85 degrees out people don't actually necessarily want to drink nothing but strong ales on barley wines or the or the bourbon barrel double yeah. imperial stout so these these uh, the fruit stat probably would be different if this were held in october yes but yeah. still um, i think it's significant um, 10% of the beers are sour ales uh, and that that is either with brett or um, uh, kettle souring. Kettle souring, actually, uh, uh, 20, what is, what did I say? Is it 25%? I don't know. Yeah, you have 20, you have kettle soured and wild beers, you have 25%. Yeah, so sour ales is a category, as, as a style category that they entered, and I think they're, I think it's as good as anything for sour ales, but a larger group, which includes kettle soured beers, which, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about some of those, which may be like IPAs or Berliner Weisses, uh, they constitute, and then there's bread age beers, um, mm-hmm. something like eight or nine bread age beers uh and then lacto beers so that's 25 percent of the entire blend so yeah 34 percent are fruit and yep. 25 are wild or yep. sour um pale ales five percent right yeah pales are really really down i mean this is a low ebb for poor pale ale right in the early 90s it would be Mostly, or or the beginning of the fast, it would be probably almost all of them. Yeah, they were just gigantic. Um, there was one stout and porter uh, in the entire fast this year, which is, you know, again, it's like pale ales. Wow. Uh, let's see. Oh, the the fest originally had a lot of people who, uh, the, the breweries kind of thought that they should, you know, so many people came to the fest, so they would send their flagship beers right. and try to promote them that yep. way. And over time, uh, I think the the fest kind of tried to encourage people to bring something interesting and yes. breweries themselves realized that uh, they got more attention to the brewery if they brought something interesting. Right. This year, 70% of the fest beer, the beers at the fest in the regular tent were uh, made for the festival. Right. So that's very cool. You're, yeah. You're going to find some new beers here. And particularly since it's not, it's called the Oregon Brewers Festival. There's, I don't know if you have it, how many, how many of the, the beers are from Oregon, but you know, like a vast two thirds, a vast majority from Oregon. And so, uh, you can go out and find all the flagship beers all you want right. in stores locally. It's very easy to find. So this is your opportunity to try to do something different. So I, I encourage it. I yeah, think it's great. I, I think that is also uh, a consequence of so many tourists who come specifically for this week, both right. both internationally and, and around the country. Yeah, and they're here to try Oregon beers. So they, you know, that's uh, the focus on Oregon beers. Both was a response to the breweries who wanted to get into the fest and yeah. the people who wanted to see Oregon beers. Yeah. so you see a lot of Oregon beers here. Um, Alcohol, that's another big step. Yeah, that's a really interesting phenomenon. So yeah. 10 years ago, we saw a massive creep in both IBUs and alcohol yep. as IPAs were getting really popular. 
um, you saw a lot of beers above seven percent. In fact, that's when I started looking at beers below five and a half and above seven. I thought mm-hmm. below five and a half is sort of session, and above seven is sort of big beers. Yeah. This year, there's only 13% of the beers are above 7%, right. which is not very many. And over half, 52%, are below 5.5. So that's 5.4 and lower, um, over half, which is pretty amazing. I think it shows a kind of tectonic shift. Yeah, because six, seven years ago, if you went, invariably, the big lines would be for the big IBU bombs. Yeah. The big, you know, 7.5% double IPA. Totally. Uh, and that's, you know, that those were the rage. and. Uh, and now it's it's changed a lot. I think you'll find. I wonder where the big lines will be this year. That's another sort of interesting. It is. And maybe we can report that on the next time we come yeah. back from the from the on the pod. Um, in terms of IBUs, the average IBUs for across all beers is just thirty. Yeah. That's down from thirty five last year. Again, another drop. Um, the beers that have between zero and forty IBUs are seventy five percent, seventy four percent, three quarters of the of all the beers have, have forty IBUs or less. Yeah. Which is, you know, again, just shocking. And I think that probably reflects also a big trend in, excuse me, in uh, IPAs, which have gotten less alcoholic yep. and less bitter. So yep. Yep. They're, they're following that whole kind of trend. So. Yeah, well, for a fast, tomorrow's supposed to be 88 degrees and sunny. Uh, I think lower IBUs and lower alcohol is absolutely appropriate. So. Yeah, and I think, you know, I've been noticing that when I go out, there's... The, the number, I mean, I think people just now generally feel like if a beer is 7%, it's pretty darn big beer. And mm-hmm. people go out for a drink. Uh, they well, I think many people, price is an issue, of course, for some people. But it's nicer to have a couple of beers that are 5% than, than have one beer that's a giant and then worry about having another beer. So. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I've been talking about this a lot on the pod, but I'm, I'm really all about the, the alcohol beers. I like, to, I like to have a couple of beers and I like to drink them and enjoy them and not get totally uh well soporific is probably how i get as at this age i don't want to get all either drunk or or uh, sleepy yeah it's true <laughs> i'm with you there and, and the old bodies kind of shuts down before you get that really hammered sense so you just kind of yeah i just fall asleep i'm like an old dog i'll just go uh, <laughs> uh, oh boy that's embarrassing but yeah. there it is yeah. Well, that's why I really enjoyed about sort of the beer gardens of Munich is, you know, yeah. I got my big moss, my big one liter mug. Of, oh, nice. The liter. I never went for the liter because I was always trying to get oh, that's the different. first thing. That's the first thing I did. My but kid, you were drinking one beer, man. My I was kids, trying to have all the beers. Well, that's true. My kids mock. I knew it was like the one chance. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going for the moss. I brought that back to the table. I should have seen the looks of my kids and my wife were like, you're not serious. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have, what I should have requested. And all I had to do was say, look around. Yeah, like, oh, yeah totally. Okay. It's really common. It was, yeah, it's about half and half, I think. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's had the moss. Yeah. I should have had Christina take a photo of you with your giant moss and then put that on Twitter. That would have been nice. There is a, a photo exists. I have to find it. All right. Yes. Good. Yeah, we did. I think, unfortunately, the moss is empty by that point or close to empty. So, but um, Well, that's good. It shows that it wasn't just a, you yep. know, uh, every last, a cheap trick for you. Every last drop. Uh it was, I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, it was the, the Hofbrau, the Hofbrau Hellas. That's what that moss was. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. All right. Uh, so, should we start talking about some beers? Yeah, let's do talk about beers. And, and just for the folks who are not going to get to try any of these beers, um, who are not going to be able to go to the fest, just consider this kind of a, a sort of a survey course of what, uh, what kind of beers are being made in America right now. Because I, I do think that what we're seeing here reflects a bunch of really interesting trends in the, in the industry. Uh, and 
Um, certainly the beers that we're talking about now, if we keep doing this for another decade at this podcast, if we're still alive, uh, it'll sound very different. And if you listen to this, you'll, people will look back and they go, oh, that's weird. Remember when they were doing all those sour IPAs? And Yeah, and this might be some, you know, some bellwether for the types of beers you might start seeing in your local markets um, soon. If the um, One of the in- interesting things is we've already touched on and we'll start talking about a lot because a lot of the beers I'm going to suggest have fruit in them is how many beers have fruit this year yeah um I really think it's a big trend locally I'd be interested to know whether it's a big trend nationally so let us know and I gotta I feel since you mentioned that I gotta bring uh, a local uh beer guy who's a blogger at the new school founder of the new school also puts on mm-hmm. um different uh fests including the fruit beer fest yeah Ezra Johnson Greeno who is uh uh kind of a a beer man around town. His fruit beer fest, I think, here in Portland had a pretty substantial uh, influence on shifting people's view of uh, fruit yeah. from a kind of a, a sweet filler kind of thing that you put in there to make a beer not taste like beer to some to an ingredient that can add some complexity and interest to beer. So yeah. in, in Oregon, we no longer think of uh, fruit beers as a you know a derogatory style. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'll Good job, Ezra. Yeah, and, and that, that festival's like six, seven years old now, so it's been around for a while and sort of established yep. established part of the Portland the Portland beer scene. Um, I also say that I think that the that um, as a natural consequence of more and more people brewing with fruit, they're getting better at it. Um, totally. And it was used to be a little bit crude, and so when it was done nicely, it was a real surprise. But now I think it's more often than not done nicely. So, uh, so in that. Uh, vein. You got some fruit beers for us? Um, let's talk about some fruit beers. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't know which order to do this, but what I will say is that I took the the, the Google Doc and I decided to sort it by ABV. Um, and uh, so I'm going to start with a couple of really low ABV because that's kind of how I like to start the fest. Ah. I, start, I start sort of uh, low IBUs, late, low ABV, sort of uh, go in there. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just start with two... Uh, Berliner Weisses that are on offer this year. Um, one is from Elkhorn Brewery in Eugene, Oregon. Um, they have an, a Berliner Weisse that was um, brewed by a uh, uh, Filipino brewer that they have, and he brewed a Berliner Weisse with lychee fruit and lemongrass. So that right. that sounds very interesting. To, um, and then there's another uh, Berliner Weisse that I... Uh, um, I flagged, which was by local Laurelwood Brewing Company. Uh, this one is interesting because they did a Berliner Weisse, which is, tends to be a very, very dry, tart uh, beer, and often you would add syrup if you wish uh, mm-hmm. at, at, at the bar. But what they did is they uh, put in a bunch of, uh, let me get the fruit right, boysenberry uh, into the fermenter. So they've added a boysenberry puree into the fermenter, so it's like a boysenberry-infused Berliner Weisse. So we'll see how that goes, whether you can kind of sweeten it in that stage. So those are two beers that I've looked at. Cool. Both have, both have fruit. Well, since we're on fruit, I'll mention the only fruit. So I went the other way. I had no fruit beers. I have one, actually, I should say I have one fruit beer. Uh, I don't know why I did that. In fact, um, I chose a Goza, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, because it was the only Goza that didn't have fruit in it. I was like, damn it, why are you putting every all fruit in everything? Yeah, it really, actually, there is, I mean, uh, I'm not sure there's such thing as too much fruit, but it is a pretty amazing how many things like have fruit in them. Totally. I was like, like wait I, a minute, can I find a bison without fruit? Exactly. No, I'm not I, sure. When I saw that goza, it was just like a straight goza. I thought, that's great. I'm going to have that, man. <laughs> Explain it straight. That's radical. 
so the one that I have here is Maui's Mango Hefeweizen. Yes. Uh, I had like that as you well. You also had that one. Yeah. We, we compared notes and we didn't have that much crossover. But since this was my only fruit, I'm seizing it. Um, the reason I chose this is because it has an insane amount of mango, eight pounds per barrel, and they are Hawaiian mangoes. Right. So they should be pretty fresh and tasty. So yeah. I'm going to give that a And they make a big point. They're not using any extract at all. This is real mango they're using. Right. Which is fantastic. And, and uh, yeah, I flagged it as well. I By the way, I have a, a lot of my beers are fruit beers because it's hot, it's sunny outside, and the fruit beer sounds really good to me. So, By the way, the second beer I brewed, no, maybe not the second beer, one of the, the first beer I brewed without you uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, in the uh, middle of winter, uh-huh. I wanted to make a fruit beer. And yeah. I made it a, a really bad mango beer. Because in Madison, Wisconsin, there was basically no fruit down there. But there were mangoes from someplace. So I made a really terrible mango beer. So. All right. Well, for 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 shopping swapping stories, I'll tell you my little fruit beer story. Uh, also without you. So this is, what, this is the problem. We shouldn't brew separately because it's particularly bad. Um, a little bit worse than when we brewed together, which is just bad. <laughs> so I decided to brew a, a, a raspberry porter. That sounded really good to me. Oh, uh, that does sound good. Raspberry porter. So I, I brewed a porter and I had raspberry extract, you know, from the homebrew shop, a little bottle. And so I dumped a bunch. I had no idea how much to do. And let's just say it was pretty raspberry. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I brought bottles to, um, this is when I was in graduate school at Cornell, and I brought uh, bottles from my um, office mates. And one of my office mates was Arthur Brooks, who is now the president of the American Enterprise Institute. Oh, wow. There you go. And, and an op-ed writer for the New York Times. Right. Uh, and he, he took a sip of it and said, ah, it tastes like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> and up until that point, I was really kind of proud of it. And after that, I was like, yeah, he's right. It really kind of gross. <laughs> so thanks, hey man, Arthur, man. It was the early those. 90s. We didn't know any better. Yeah. Uh, so that was the crude use of fruit. So I'm really excited to see how real pros can use fruit. By the way, I'm going to mention this now since we're talking about fruit. I went through, and this isn't probably not a comprehensive list, but here's my list of fruits that I noticed uh, are available in beers at the festival. Boysenberry, guava, apricot, strawberry, lemon, lime, grapefruit, raspberry, blueberry, blood orange, mango, rhubarb, not really a fruit, but whatever, black raspberry, and lychee. Huh. You think rhubarb's not a fruit? I guess it's not a fruit, but it kind of it tastes fruity. It, yeah. And it's in, it grows. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. It's a stalk that goes it's out of the ground. It's a stalk, right. Uh, it's red. We had this... It's fruit um, colored. Yeah. Also in Ithaca, we had, a, we had a, a, a rhubarb plant that was so old, but it produced this rhubarb that you could just chew, and it was so sweet. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, uh, there's a local... I think one of the reasons we're seeing so much fruit, particularly in Oregon beers, is because there's a local company that... Um, it's a local fruit processor that decided to do a, a line of uh, fruit purees or fruit... Yeah, I guess they're fruit purees right called um oregon fruit products they're the they're the um, fruit processor locally they decided to target the the beer market and they've done a big push in and trying to get their fruit uh purees in uh in the hands of brewers and and have brewers using them and some of these beers actually mention oregon fruit products so i think that's one of the reasons why we're starting to see a lot of fruit in oregon because there's this tailor-made line of products for beer right and when you <clears throat> it's worth mentioning that there are different ways to add fruit flavor to a beer. You can add fruit, which mm-hmm. is the, the gold standard, um, but you risk things like uh, infection or other biological interventions. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's sanit- things like uh, the organ fruit products, which is a sanitized thing, so you won't have any trouble right. uh, with that. And then there are these extracts, which are like flavors of fruit. And, yeah. um, the, I think one way you make a mass market uh, fruit-flavored beer is 
you don't buy fresh fruit. That's right. way, way expensive, way hard to work with at the brewery. Yep, so. yep, yep, yep. All right. Just word to the wise. Okay, why don't you... Uh... All right, I'm going I'm I'm to start with uh, a trend that I noticed on the blog last year, starting with Freem, which was the first time I ever had a sour IPA. Mm-hmm. And yes. this is... Um, they're they're kind of neither sour nor IPA. Um, they're they're low alcohol, so not not super uh, strong, and they're also low, kind of low uh, hops, but they're really uh, flavor and uh, aroma forward. So you get a lot of fruitiness, and then instead of balancing it with bitterness, they're balanced with this uh, kettle souring process. Right. Yep. So Berlick has one called uh, Dropping Acid Psychedelic Sour. <laughs> Uh, which is um, uh, hopped with Eldorado, Comet, and Amarillo, which are three of my very favorite hops. So I'm mm-hmm. pretty darn excited about that. And then Good Life also has one. Uh, they have uh, not so much information on that. I don't know. Um, they don't tell you very much about that, but I'll give that a shot. And I thought there were only two, but you mentioned that Ordnance also has a tart IPA. Yep. Uh, so that's a third one, which I didn't even read about, but um, also I'm going to look to that. I, I think this... I, I predicted a year ago that this was the new trend, and so far, as with all my predictions, that not, seems not to be true. But here we have a, like a mini boomlet, so I'm going to try to promote it. Yeah, and their IPAs, woo, they're really good. Yeah, uh, and I'll say the Ordnance Brewing one is actually a soured uh, session IPA with raspberry. So there you go. So it's part of, it's part of my fruit kick, ah. um, and it's only 3.8 percent ABV. So that actually might be one I'll try uh, really early in the fest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking for this bear look one. It's like, oh boy, that looks good. Got a little oat in it. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, the next beer that I'm going to uh, mention is the Freem Family Brewers, which uh, have a guava saison. So it's a saison with guava puree in it. Need I say more? No. Sounds sounds good. And Josh Freem knows his way around a saison. So exactly. Uh, yeah, I should have mentioned that. That was that didn't go without saying. It should have been said, and you did. It's so good. Well, since we're mentioning saisons, I will mention three. I don't know why I didn't have them categorized here together, but three that really jumped out to me um, are these are. Uh, I'm actually, I don't. Not all my beers are weird, but these these are kind of three <laughs> weird beers. They're um, uh, all have uh, wild yeast. All have Brettanomyces. Mm-hmm. Perennial, which is a kind of famous saison producer from St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, has a thing called Ship of the Sun. Um, and it is, uh, so all of these are kind of similar in that they're, they're, uh, they're saisons made with, with regular yeast, uh, but also some the regular Saccharomyces, but also some wild Brettanomyces, mm-hmm. uh, Thunder Island from Cascade Locks, just down the gorge. Right. Brettanomyces is not a dinosaur <laughs> is the name of the beer. Uh-huh. And then, uh, Upright, our good friends here in Portland, Oregon have a blended saison. So they have a vintage strong saison that's been eight, aged 18 months. Uh, and then, uh, it's blended with a, a fresh uh, batch of saison vert, which is has black lime, black lime, okay, there uh, wheat, uh, I'm not sure wheat what beer. A black lime is. I'm not. I don't know either. Yeah, but uh, saison vert. So anyway, so that's a uh, those those are three saisons. I, you know, I love saisons. I can't help myself, and and these sound like great, uh, yeah. wonderful. Going to be. I'm going to jump. I'll jump in there with. Uh, <laughs> With a bread, a fruited bread. So uh, base uh, base camp, base, yeah, of course it will. <laughs> uh, base camp brewing in Portland uh, has the bread of living uh, sour ale, which is a um, 
It's lacto-soured, but fermented with bread um, and raspberry added as a puree late in the fermentation. So it's, uh, it's got a lot going on. It does. I actually <laughs> had that on my list. I had, a, I had my list of definites and then my list of, I'm probably going to try these. Yeah. Am I probably going to try this? Yeah, my list actually is kind of exactly, I'm not really highlighting it, but some of these are, ooh, I want to try this because it sounds really interesting and I'm not sure. And then some because, wow, I'm pretty sure this one's going to be fantastic. Right. Yeah. So sometimes that, it's curiosity and sometimes it's, it's uh, with great certainty of good beer. Right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got to talk about this one. So we are both proud graduates of Lewis and Clark College here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and break, go Pios. Go Pios. And Breakside, uh, who we've mentioned probably too much on the pod, um, uh, which is a Portland, Oregon uh, brewery, uh, is bringing the Dreamboat Belgian-style wit beer. And it was one of three beers created by students at Lewis and Clark College as part of the final project for their course in brewing science. Which I think Ben Edmonds taught, teaches, or at least he used to, somebody there uh, yeah, I know he used to. I assume yeah, he still does. But, I do too. Um, this one is a, an interpretation of Belgian wit beer with addition of more flavoring and aroma hops than would be found in a classic version. Of course, it's the Northwest after all. Uh, the Citra and Huel Melon. Huel Melon? Yeah. Is that, is that one hop? Huel Melon hops? Y- yeah. Provide beautiful hop. notes of honeydew and grass. You know this hop. I do. It's uh, a, it's a uh, German, one of the nouveau German hops like Mandarina Bavaria and some of these ones like that. So all right. Um, it's, the Germans have been tinkering with hops to try to get a more American quality. They want more um, fruity, citrusy flavors and aromas to give their hops yeah. or give their beers a little bit more. By the way, as I, I was driving, uh, I drove around Germany, and as I was driving um, into Munich, um, I was coming north down the A9, and you just passed this just amazing expanse of hop fields. It's yeah. really, it, the, just the, the, the sheer scale of the hop fields, and they go on for kilometer and kilometer and kilometer. It's pretty pretty impressive. That's the Hollertau yeah. uh, region. So yeah, I've, I've, I've been on that same road. Yeah. It's a cool road. It I is. love driving in Germany, but let's not get distracted. <laughs> you can drive really fast. You can. <laughs> as long as you just stay as right, far right as you can. That's the whole key. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Okay. Um, your turn. All right. Well, let's go to... Uh, here's a fun Here's a fun one. Uh, Stormbreaker, another brewery here in Portland. Mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to do is look for breweries that I don't normally highlight on the pod yep. uh, who do... Who do good work, but we for some reason don't mention them. And I wanted, and in some cases, breweries I don't know about, but I know about Stormbreaker, a good brewery here in Portland. Um, they did a cool thing where they, <laughs> maybe a cool thing, <laughs> they combined uh, Hefeweizen and an IPA. Uh-huh. So it's uh, it's got uh, German ingredients, but um, it's hopped like an IPA, and it's um, brewed brewed stronger and with with uh, of course more more IBUs. So, interesting. Yeah, I think it could be interesting yeah. if, if they chose. If they harmonized the yeast notes and the uh, hop notes well, it could be spectacular. Because this is a thing that in um, uh, at Schneider, Hans-Peter Drexler has worked with IPA, or with uh, really bright uh, American-style hops mm-hmm. with his vice beers. And they really take well. If you They can clash. The, the flavors, right. when they work well together, are spectacular. Right. They can clash. So I'm, Stormbreaker has interested me with this. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, the next one I'm going to point out um, is actually not from a brewery itself, but it's from the Collaborator Project, which is a project between a uh, local homebrew club and uh, Widmer. 
uh, and so it's a recipe that's been developed through home brewers and then is made at sort of a commercial scale by Widmer. Um, and it's a Kentucky Kolsch, and this is how it's described. Uh, uh, it's a German-style ale, uh, an easy-drinking summer brew with the hydrated strawberries added at the end of fermentation process. So I've got to have fruit, Pilsner, Vienna, and Munich malts are balanced with Hollertau hops. So it's a pretty, it sounds like a pretty um, uh, classic German, although it's called a Kolsch, so it's obviously uh, uh, fermented using um, uh, Kolsch yeast. Um, and with uh, dehydrated strawberries. I've been hanging out too much with these. There's this little-known uh, group of cabal of, of German <laughs> beer fanatics uh-huh. that, um, since I talk enough about German beers, they have found me. And, and um, as you'd imagine, they're incredibly uh, style-rigid. Um, and I've become... I, I have to say they've influenced me. And there are three of the four Kolsch's here are fruit Kolsch's. Mm-hmm. And I saw those and I thought, nine! This is wrong! <laughs> <laughs> so when I, I, I didn't have my... Yeah, I'm preaching it that, right? Heinz Kabat. Yes. They're just, ah, oh, why well, call it a Kolsch? You, didn't, you doesn't have to call it a Kolsch. Call well, it's funny because it sounds very much like uh, a typical lager pilsner and then and then it's called a Kolsch. So they don't even mention it, but I presume that's because they use Kolsch. So anyway. Yeah, I guess so too. But anyway, I'm all I'm all about the experimental I know. with the fruit. I, I, I and you're becoming a grumpy old man. I mention this confessionally. It's something to watch uh, to guide me away from the dark. Side. I have to say, I'm quickly becoming a a real uh, German enthusiast after spending time there yeah. and drinking a lot of beer. Cool. Um, so there you go. <laughs> also because I'm old and I like those lighter beers now. Yeah, totally. Pretty soon you're going to start heading in my more rigid direction just saying <laughs> okay wait a minute so you did you mention this already now i'm getting confused um so uh uh surly brewings uh no, lager no okay not good. on my list i thought it was on your list all right so i i'm interested um there are a few breweries from out of town and one of surly brewing from minneapolis uh and they're bringing uh, they're bringing they are <laughs> bringing their um hashtag merica <laughs> Uh, uh, exclamation point lager um, you are so not from flyover country listen to you merica <laughs> man it's pronounced merica <laughs> okay well i was trying to read it here in the really small type <laughs> i was like what is that at the end i was about to say mary call no no that's it that's an exclamation point <laughs> among the many things that are happening to my body is my eyes are listen poindexter it's pronounced merica okay merica lager yeah which is a easy drinking light summer lager came to laugh with cmc pills malt uh, anyway, I don't get it, but it's got corn in it. It's a lager with corn, a light, uh, a light lager with corn, warrior hops, and a dose of Valamis. Well, since you mentioned corn and okay. lagers, yeah, I let's have to, talk about all lagers. I, I have to go to uh, what is the most interesting uh, little boomlet here at this uh, fest. Yep. So I think you know how in Hollywood, periodically there will be like some. For some reason, two of the same kind of movies will get released. Yep, like there's yep, something in yep. the air. Like two meteor movies or two uh, yeah conspiracy movies. Yeah. Well, we had we had a similar phenomenon here at the fest this year where four breweries decided to bring uh, Mexican style lagers made yep. with corn yep. and flavored with lime. So instead of having <laughs> the lime on the on the you know like the rim like you'd have at a at a restaurant. Uh, or pub, um, they actually put the lime in Chilada it. style. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I think it's mostly just supposed to be like Mexican. And this, the Mexican lager is actually 
uh, becoming a pretty big phenomenon among craft brewers yes. everywhere. Like you're starting to see that commonly. Yes. yes. And definitely. The I was just at Block 15 in Corvallis, and they had a Mexican lager on. Yeah. The distance between Bud Light and these Mexican lagers is so narrow, and the fact that uh, craft beer has come back around to mm-hmm. this, these things would have been like you would have been tarred and feathered if you'd made one of these in yep. 1992 or yep, something. Absolutely. But now we are back. So let me just trot through the different ones. We've got Ecliptics Espacio, Mexican lager. Uh, Ex Novo, uh, Cal Estupido. 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 <laughs> Lime Stupid. Uh, Lakefront, which is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, El Wisco, Mexican lager. And Rusty Truck, which is uh, from Lincoln City here in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have tequila lime lager, so they're, they're all slightly different. Uh, Ex Novo's has uh, uh, a little bit of salt, a little sea salt. Um, the uh, Ecliptics is pretty straight. It's just got uh, lemon or lime zest. Uh, Lakefronts doesn't actually have lime in it. They've tried to use hops to uh, insinuate the presence of lime. Uh-huh. And then Rusty Truck has done a thing where they have uh, used tequila-soaked oak spirals to give it a little tequila thing, and mm. then later they add uh, the limes during, I think they like dry hop it with limes or yeah. something. And Ex Novo, by the way, is the first place that I encountered the, they've had a they've had a Mexican-style lager for a few years now. That's right, and theirs is, this is a slightly different version. Yeah, this isn't that, but. Because it's got the lime in it, and that's the one I'm kind of interested in, because it's got not only, not only it's got lime, it's got salt, so. Mm. Salt is, if, depending on how it's used, can be a really nice ingredient in beer, under, yeah. kind of underutilized, so. I'm actually going to probably try all these just because it's a it's a super <laughs> super fascinating trend. Uh, Maybe we can all get one and then we can have them all together. Yeah, that's right. We should like to all find them. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, and by the way, since you're talking about this, this is not with lime, but Pelican Brewing from Pacific City, also now in Tillamook and Cannon Beach, um, are bringing a Negra Pelicano, which is a a, a, a um, they call it a Latin style, but essentially like a dark Mexican lager mm-hmm. um, as well. So there are Mexican lagers to be found, lots of lots of them. And I, you and I, to our to our somehow credit, have always been fans of Mexican lagers. We've never been embarrassed to crack open a, a Pacifico and a Negro Modelo. Yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, the beginning of you could you could say the beginning of my great beer uh, tour started in Mexico City, where that's fact, right. In sort fact, of, I had but not with your family, Son's family. That was, yeah, that was Son's family. That was a Brazilian, so I actually got to drink a lot of beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've had some travel. I've had some travel. We had a lot of travel this summer. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you were just in the East Coast, so did you uh, get to taste good beer out there? I got to go to uh, Two Roads Brewing mm-hmm. and do kind of an informal quickie tour with uh, Emily Sodder, who mm-hmm. I met uh, earlier this year when I was in Washington, D.C. Two Roads is a cool brewery. It's founded by... Um, Phil Markowski, who's the guy who wrote the Farmhouse Ales book. So oh, he's yeah. kind of like the king of... Yeah. of uh, uh, this is in saisons. Connecticut? It's in Connecticut. It's in uh, town... Connecticut. It's a small East. state. I mean... <laughs> You're driving on that road that's on the southern coast, and you go through Stamford, and then uh-huh. you keep going out there, and yep. then it's out there. Okay. Why can't I remember it? Anyway, if you look at my social media, I, I tweeted it. The cool... The, the, the especially cool thing about all this is it's in uh, an old... Uh, factory. Uh-huh. So I drove up and it was giant. I couldn't believe how big it was. And it's in this <laughs> old brick building, which is super cool. 
and inside they've managed to retain a ton of the old factory. Um, it was like a, a metal parts factory that bared something something factory, uh-huh. and it still feels like a factory. And those things are factories actually are really gracious spaces. So the tap room is one of the prettiest tap rooms I've ever seen. Giant, tall, uh, soaring ceilings above, lots of light, sort of almost an ecclesiastical feel in a way. Yeah. Huh. And so, what uh, what are their what do they specialize in, or do they? You know, they're they're doing relatively standard beers. They're actually much bigger than I had any idea. They're mm-hmm. fifty thousand barrel brewery, oh. which was kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, but they had a beer it's called Honey Spot, Honey Honey Spot, Honey Pot, Honey Spot, Honey Pot. Because I suggested that Honey Pot would be a, <laughs> a nicer name. Uh, it was an IPA, and it was one of the better IPAs I've had in my life. It was amazing. So um, they, I think they're thinking of renaming it because it's apparently everybody's confused that there's honey in it there's <laughs> yeah. no honey in it but it's really um it it's a it is a new england ipa but it's not a, a new england ipa if you know what i mean yeah. it's like a good old ipa right but it's sort of saturated hot flavors and aromas but a little bit of bitterness and just mm, really good that's a good beer okay all right back to oregon yeah sorry and we're gonna no that's fine uh actually i have two beers um that are sort of a nod to my recent Germany experience. Um, one is that uh, Bayern Brewing in Missoula, Montana, is bringing their 30th anniversary Pilsner, and this is just a. It looks like a pretty straightforward uh, German Pils. Sort of. The it's kind of cool. So yeah, I have I have Bayern on on here too. It's, there's a few breweries that um, I'm in the tank for, but they're not Oregon breweries, and I never mind. Uh, tasting their beer when they come. Lake, uh, Lakefront is one of those breweries that for some reason always comes to the fest, which is great. Uh, and so is Byron. Mm-hmm. Um, Jürgen Noller is the, the brewer there. He was He's a Bavarian-trained brewer, and he started in the 1970s mm-hmm. brewing in, in uh, Bavaria. And I've actually spoken to him about this. The, um, the beers in, in, in Germany have changed, even though we don't ever think German beer ever changes. Right. It's got this platonic ideal. Yeah. It has, actually has changed. And he just talked about working on really old, crude, almost Czech-style equipment right. back in the day and how the beer was much more uh, uh, rustic and flavorful and kind of thick and, and uh, you know, had a lot of character. So this one, uh, he's... He's gotten some specialty malt from Weirman. I was going to mention that from Germany, yeah. And I think he's probably, it's going to be darker and thicker, and I bet it's going to be a little bit Czech style. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, he says that he, um, he's he got 10 metric tons of uh, floor-turned barca. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Two-row malt. Nope, I have no idea what that is. I don't know. It sounds good, though. It does, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll be interested to know whether it's got sort of that rustic, that Czech rustic... Uh, flavor to it because yeah. i really i really like that so i'm looking yeah. forward to that one and then the other one um uh at least when i i was there in the hot summer um radler seemed to be super popular in germany mm. and so boundary bay breweries bring a raspberry radler not with raspberry by the way <laughs> i did not see a raspberry radler in germany um but they're bringing a uh, uh a radler that's got oregon raspberry puree <coughs> excuse me and putting it into a kettle sour beer Cool. So that should be fun. Yeah. Uh, Americans are into Rattlers, so there you go. I'm going to mention uh, Druthers Brewery from New York. Um, uh, two, two locations, so I'm not actually sure which one is where the brewery is located. Um, they have a, this is the standard Goza that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like a straight ahead Goza, coriander, a little bit of salt, lacto. Um, and it was a, it's a, a medal winner from 2014 World Beer Cup. So I am... 
going to try myself a nice standard Gozo, which I think are great beers and don't need to be sullied by the presence of all right, all well, I'm going to go for fruit. Have I, I, I'm feeling... Wait, you're going for fruit? <laughs> I'm, feeling a, I'm feeling a moment of deja vu here. I don't think I've mentioned this one. Hopworks uh, Kiwi Sparkle and Pop. I'm pretty sure I haven't. No. Um, this is a ke- another, another uh, kettle-soured uh, beer um, with a dose of kiwi. Now, kiwi does not necessarily... Sorry, this is the second uh, a beer, by the way, with kiwi. That first one was that um, kiwi lemongrass uh, 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 beer from Elkhorn, um, which was a Berliner Weisse with with kiwi and, and lemongrass. Um, this one is a kettled sour beer uh, with kiwi, and so I'll be very interested to see how well they can. Um, kiwi is a subtle fruit; it's mm-hmm. got some sweetness, but not a huge amount of flavor. So it'll be interesting to see how they get the flavor out of that. Yeah, it's kind of like figs. Sometimes it's hard to taste. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to run through my last three, which are IPAs. And uh, oh yeah, I got I, those are my. Let's talk IPAs now. Yeah, let's talk. It's IPAs. Time to talk IPAs. <laughs> so it's just really difficult when you haven't tried an IPA. You, you know, whether you like the IPA, the instant it hits your mouth. But mm-hmm. from descriptions, it's hard to tell. So I chose uh, three that I just are sort of interested in trying. One is Cloudburst, which is a Seattle brewery. Mm-hmm. Tigers and Tiny Spaces. Mm-hmm. Great name. We should have a contest for best name. I think that that's a contender. Uh, Looks like a standard IPA, uh, a little bit low ABV, uh, 5.6, which is great for me. But they mention a strawberry ester, which sounds spectacular. Mm. If it's present, I would like to taste that. Yeah. Uh, Vertigo has a session IPA. And again, um, there's nothing particularly in the description that made me love it. But um, I wanted to call Vertigo out. And I also loved the name of it, Little Big Hop, which is a great name for <laughs> yeah. a session IPA. That is. And finally, um, one of the big names in the in the fest that I am interested in just because it's uh, uh, it's Sierra Nevada's uh, no good IPA, but it's K-N-O-W, good IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sierra Nevada brings an IPA that I haven't tried before. That kind of catches my attention. So uh, yeah. I, may give that a, I may give that a look too. Well, in that vein, and precisely that vein, there's two IPAs I'm looking forward to trying. Uh, they're both um, unique to the festival, but they're from... Uh, Two breweries that are known for their ability to make some pretty kick-ass IPAs. Uh, one is Ninkazi's uh, Beautiful Trouble. Um, it's their latest uh, take on IPA, so I'm really interested in trying that. Um, A name people often use to refer to me. Beautiful <laughs> Trouble. Uh, so um, this one is um, one that was originally brewed with uh, as a partnership, as I understand, with a New Zealand brewery. Um, and so they have all kinds of good South Pacific uh, flavors, which um, I tend to love and you tend to be less enthusiastic about. But they've got um, Pacific Jade, Nelson Salvin uh, with Citra, Mosaic, and Amarillo. That yeah, that is like all a, you. And yeah. That is no, no me. I think I predict I'm I'll gonna, smell yours. I predict I'm going to love that one and you, you're not so much. That's right. You're going to okay. love it. And then the second did, one. Did you notice that it was one that's a Sriracha A spear? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I did, yes. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I may have to try that one. Wave it under your nose. I think it was, I think it was uh, dry hot with Sriracha A's. Ah, that might be interesting. I could work. So maybe that's better. I don't yeah. know. Uh, and then the second one is Boneyard. Boneyard is a uh, became very known for their, what is it, RPM or yep. something like that, IPA? Uh, uh, so many of their IPAs are really good. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so they're just really good at the IPA thing, and they're doing an enzymatic IPA 
which there's not a whole lot of um, uh, information about, except that there are seven different hop varieties, so we'll, we'll give Boneyard a try. And then the last one is actually from a brewery that um, is not known for IPAs, but is well-known in the craft beer world, which is Anchor. Mm-hmm. Anchor is bringing <laughs> yeah. some... Something this weird beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not for weird. Is and they're no, and, and this one's called Blackberry Days IPA, uh, and so they're using blackberries and lots of blackberries and lots of hops uh, to create some kind of IPA. I'm a big blackberry fan, um, except when they grow in your backyard, which they do often in Oregon, and they're real invasive species. invasive species that is almost impossible to kill. Yeah, uh, but the berries are yummy, so um, I'll be interested to see. They're also a berry that doesn't have just a doesn't um, overwhelm you with flavor so it'll be interesting to see yeah they have a lot of color though they throw good color yeah they're tart so that could be i think it all yep. could work out so um so there goes my uh ipas and then and then i'll just mention this last one just because i really like the i really like the name uh, nation brewing um uh from portland oregon is uh, bringing um one actually one of the the biggest beers of the fast it's eight eight percent abv it's an imperial uh uh, India Pale Lager, and its uh, its name is the Full Pour Imperial IPL, which for um, festival goers will uh, know that a, a single token will get you a little taste. But if you're um, really looking to get drunk, you can get a full pour, <laughs> a full pour, uh, and this will do the job at eight percent. That's right. This yeah. is this is for the value shopper. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> precisely. So they've signaled that with their name. So that's right. Kudos. All right. Well, that's a good roundup. Yeah, we, so we've mentioned all... probably half the beers of the fest. So it's a very <laughs> selective list. Yeah, and that doesn't even include the specialty tent. Right. Which is uh, in, in the last few years, they there's been a special tent that's had foreign beers, mm-hmm. which they don't have this year, which is kind of too yeah, bad. too bad. But they do. They did go out and reach to reach out to a whole bunch of breweries to send special beers, sixth barrels of rarities and barrel aged beers and cool beers. Yeah. And those will just be there's like an equal number to the number in the fest, but they're not all pouring at the same time. Right. So you just gotta drop They'll rotate out. around so you just kinda have to keep your eye out. Yeah. And another sort of a pro tip for the the Brewers Fest, which we do, is um, we tend to go with a group of friends and um, that allows us to each get different beers and try each other's beers too, so you can even uh, taste that many more beers when you go with some friends. So that's right. That's the that's the way you gotta do it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I hope that uh, this has been a good guide. If you're going, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, look out for us and say hi. <laughs> uh, look out for Jeff and say hi. Don't say hi to me. Say hi to Patrick. If you see uh, a, a man standing next to me uh, with a strange, <laughs> strangely full head of hair, uh, that was probably That's true. I will be the only, <laughs> the only one. I will be the only non-bald in the whole group. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, so um, before we go, you wanted to know what my Sherpa recommendation That's is right. from my Euro trip, and this is why I've put off the Czech Republic. Excellent. So uh, I tasted a lot of good beers. Uh, I had a lot of fun tasting beer around. Not, I didn't taste nearly as many as I had hoped, um, but I did in the Czech Republic get a chance to taste um, a number of uh, Czech beers. Oh, and by the way, I had the I had the um, the situation that you alluded to, and I had forgotten about. So I got myself in the situation where I was offered a pilsner, uh-huh. and I said, "Oh, that's that's great." From you know, who, from whom? And and they looked at me like I had two heads, and I'm like, and they're like, "What? <laughs> well, who brewed it? Well, it's a, it's a pilsner." 
I'm like, what? And then it took me about six rounds of that to realize that it's Pilsner <laughs> Urquell because in Czech Republic, there is only one Pilsner. Yes. And that's Pilsner Urquell. And they just call it Pilsner. Everything uh, else is a Svetli Pivo, a pale lager. A pale, uh, yeah, lager. Yeah. So what I really liked, however, is the, Svet, the Svetli Lejak. Yeah. The slightly um, stronger version. Yeah. And so you sent me to... Uh, uh, a place, um, well, you gave me, I asked for recommendations, speaking of our text exchanges, I asked for recommendations and um, because I wasn't going to make it to, it turns out I didn't make it to the um, uh, the brewery that's been there since eight. Oh, you're killing me. I know. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh, Ooh Flecka. I, I did not make it to Ooh, Flecka. I'm guessing that means that I don't have my growler. <laughs> it's possible you do not have a growler <laughs> Ooh, so yeah. I, ha- I had to I had to sort of try to maximize my that exposure. Is, I have to tell you that might even be a blog post. That is like one of the most catastrophic bumbles <laughs> I've ever heard. Well, I will say that I was waved off of Ufleco by a few of the locals who said that it's so touristy that it's and and you had you had you did mention this, but you said despite that I should go. Um, nevertheless, yeah, for the beer, for the beer, you mm-hmm. have, that beer is remarkable. Nevertheless, I did not make it, um, but so I tried to maximize my exposure by going to um, a beer bar, uh, and you gave me a few uh, recommendations. I ended up at this place called the uh, Pivovarsky Club. Yep, uh, which was awesome, and the guy there, whose name escapes me now, was amazing. He was super friendly, really Vatslav. nice. Everybody said her name is Václav. Uh, it was not Václav, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, and so I asked them for uh, recommendations. The first one I did, they were pouring a fresh uh, Pivovarsky, uh, uh, a fresh Svetli Lejak from a, a local brewery called Klasterny uh-huh. um, that was on tap. And it was amazing. And you had, you had mentioned that I should seek out uh, Svetli Lejak, um, and I can't remember which one, but I showed it to him. And he said, oh, that's actually very similar to the Klasterny. Yeah, that that is uh, uh, Unatitia is the one that I was going to mention. Yes, um, yeah. and the one Klosterny is I think it, I think it's the word for cluster, and it's a cool brewery. I've been to it. It's in town. It's oh, in Prague, cool. and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a cool place. And they have a actually a great Politamave, so a half dark beer, an amber. Ah. so they're a great brewery. They do, so, they do good stuff. So I had that one because it was on tap, and then I said, okay, so. So uh, bring me your favorite Svetli Lejak. And so he brought me one that was from uh, Putnik. Okay. Uh, and uh, it was in the bottle, but it was very fresh, uh, and it was fantastic. Good. That was a, that was a great way to go. A good, I, hadn't, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It's, it's a way, good way to get suggestions. Yeah. Well, it was a big beer bar. They had all kinds of beers. They even had a few American beers there. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, so that's my beer circle recommendation. It probably doesn't help you unless you're in the Czech Republic. But it's the Putnik Svetli Lejak, and nice. it's spelled P-O-U-T-N-I-K, and it All probably right. has an accent or two in there. Sure, if I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. But I did tweet out a, a picture of my beer um, when I had it, and I think that was probably my favorite beer of my whole trip. And um, uh, we talked about this before, but what I particularly liked about uh, the Czech beers is that rustic quality that they have. Um, that's really interesting. So the, the, the German Pilsers and Hellas were really crisp and clean and, uh, and clear and very bright. And the Czech Republic just has, the Czech beers just have a little, I think, slightly more going on just because they're sort of more rustic-y and, and, and you sort of um, experience them all a bit more. Yeah, and we talked about this. Uh, we did a podcast on uh, on Pilsners. And mm-hmm. so if you're interested in a deep dive on that, go check that out. Yeah. So that's my beer Sherpa recommendation. Excellent. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for tweeting. You you managed to 
I managed to tweet a few things. Yeah, you know? it was good. I, I, I did my best. You did um, well. I would very much like to go back to some of these countries with a beer tour in mind. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe later when my kids have grown. That'll be my that'll be my treat to myself. Yeah. If, if any of them develops a beer tooth, we should maybe consider like taking 21-year-old Simon. Or, that's right. Or I shouldn't mention names. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, he's um, old enough that he was being offered beers. Uh, he, he didn't actually take it up, but uh, particularly in Germany, um, it's very common for kids his age, he's only 15 now, but to have non-alcohol, alcohol-free beers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're very common in Germany, and apparently uh, that's what often they'll do with kids at the beginning. Yeah, that's actually a big growth uh, industry for, for brewers. It's that That's one of the bright spots in, in German beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many breweries have installed the capacity to make alcohol-free beer. Yeah, there's a lot out there. Yeah, and in fact, I think everywhere I went, there was one or two on offer. Yeah, it's like gluten-free beer here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. A few words about how to get in touch. Jeff blogs at the Beervana blog, uh, which has a new address, beervanablog.com. He tweets at Beervana. I blog at Beernomics, and I tweet at Beernomics. I actually tweet at Beernomics and don't really blog at Beernomics. Every once in a while. Um, I I know you were supposed to say that, but I stepped on you. Bomb ahead, man. Yeah, (laughs) because I was really anxious to get to this part, which is you should... Uh, give us feedback you should give us suggestions questions uh, email us uh, uh, and by us I mean Jeff at jeff at beervanablog.com uh, or visit the Beervana blog Facebook page and uh, something I don't have on the script but we should start saying is if you are not a subscriber to this podcast uh, go ahead and subscribe if you love it love it love it and of course you love it right? that's right I'm supposed to say that I, I realized that last time and um, I think there's a way to rate these things. Like I, every time I listen to another podcast, they encourage people to rate. So if you see, yeah, <laughs> subscribe see to it, thing. rate it, and go drink a lot of beer and mention that you heard it here first. That's right. Tell all your friends and <laughs> something like that. Somehow um, uh, we're terrible at this, but cool. you, you get the point. And thank you for your solicitous uh, listening to this. That's right. Thanks for listening. We have nothing to cheers, so we just have to have an anticipatory cheers for the brew fest tomorrow. Prospective cheers. All right, so here's to Oregon beer. All right. All right, bye. Cheers, Patrick. Cheers.